covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. We're talking about baseball games that have actually been played now as the Brewers opened up the Cactus League schedule over the weekend. And we've got a lot to get to here in this week's episode. Uh, We are going to be joined by uh, Tim Muma from Brew Crew Ball. It's been uh, too long since we've had Tim on, but we're going to get him back on the podcast coming up in just a few minutes. Have our headlines of the week. Have a lot to get to this week here uh, on another edition of Brewers Extra News, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. You know what I do here, our normal housekeeping items. If you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and want to leave a ranking and review, that would be fantastic. If you don't listen to us on Apple Podcast and you listen to us on some sort of a podcast listening outlet where you can leave rankings and reviews, you can do it on there too, and that'd be appreciated if you maybe just listen to it on WTMJ.com or on the WTMJ mobile app or you have zero interest whatsoever in leaving a ranking and review. You know what? That is okay as well. Best way to find me is on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. If you want to uh, get at me, you can do so via Twitter. All right, let's get started. Uh, Last week, we had found out about the Mike Moustakis signing and had Brad Ford on last week. I actually think the idea of Mike Moustakis maybe playing a little bit of second base got brought up and it was poo-pooed by me. I just I didn't see that as a legit scenario. I thought you look at what happened last year and you say, okay, if you're bringing Mike Mustakis back, he's going to be at third and Travis Shaw's going to be back at second. We know Mustakis can play third. We know Shaw can play second. Boom, you're done. And then eventually when Mustakis isn't on the team in maybe a year and Keston here is there full time, Shaw's back to third. But I didn't I didn't really think that we would see a Mike Mustakis at second base thing happen. And I was wrong, and I'm wrong a lot, so that's all right, but I was wrong. And it appears, and, and they're going to go through spring training, and you know, so far it seems to be okay. You could only say so much about the limited opportunities, and if you get a couple more weeks down the road and it's pretty clear that Moustakis at second is not going to work, you can turn a 180. But the, the big news of the week was Moustakis is going to get an opportunity to play a little bit of second base, and that will keep Travis Shaw over at third. That was surprising to me, uh, and I'm – I'm very interested in what's going to happen there. I was interested last year to see what was going to happen when Travis Shaw moved to second, and he did a nice job. And it's always brought up, I'm not saying anything here that you haven't already heard before, the idea that with the way the Brewers shift their infielders and how often the third baseman goes over and plays on the first base side of second to allow the shortstop, who has so much range, being the only guy between second and third, you know, the fact that they do that so often that the guy at third, he, he plays some of that position already. And I get that. I'm not trying to completely say that that doesn't impact things. It does. But it's different going over there when – you're the, the second baseman or when you're the third baseman going over there and uh, you have less room to cover as compared to just being kind of a standard second baseman when you're in sort of that base alignment. So I, I'm interested in what's going to happen. If you're looking at me to give you some sort of deep breakdown on why it will or why it will not work, you're at the wrong place because I'm going to be just like you where we're going to be watching this thing, seeing how it's all going to end up playing out. Uh, Moustakis is a guy that for most of his professional career, 
he has been a third baseman. Now, early on, uh, when he when he first began in the minor leagues, he played a little bit of shortstop. But uh, I was actually, interestingly enough, I was the broadcaster for the Kansas City Royals Midwest League affiliate, so low A affiliate, the same league and the same level of team as like the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Uh, I was working in the Royals system when Moustakis played his first full season of pro ball, and he did play a little bit of shortstop, but I mean, they the Royals got him over to third very, very, very quickly, and it became pretty darn clear that he was somebody who was going to be a third baseman. That's where they thought he would be, and as he continued to elevate through the Royals system and eventually get to the big leagues, he was a third baseman. So, Second base is something that's a little bit different for him. It's certainly going to be fun to see how it all plays out at the end of the day. But uh, that's just that's part of this Brewers team. The fact that uh, so many guys can play so many different positions and the the ability to have uh, guys playing different positions is a big thing that the Brewers believe in. And we're continuing to see that play out where there's not many guys on the team who are available to you in just one single position. They try to get uh, a lot of positional diversity for uh, for individuals and that helps them try to uh, find other ways to win games and get a bit of an advantage on other teams. Again, Tim Muma is going to be our guest this week on our social media conversation. That's coming up in just a moment, but let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. All right, Headlines of the Week. The Brett Laurie signing was made official. This is something that we talked about a couple weeks ago when Laurie first mentioned it on some of his social media. But uh, he is with the team, and uh, we'll see what ends up happening. Now, this is something, this is a long play for the Brewers. This is, if you're thinking that this is a guy who's going to be able to break camp and be on the 25 man roster, I would tell you, you are incorrect on that. Uh, this is something that he is not planning on doing any baseball activities for the next six weeks. No baseball activities whatsoever for the next six weeks. So basically all of spring training, he is going to be uh, working with strength and conditioning staffs, uh, with uh, all the new technology that they now have uh, in Arizona with the sports medicine. He's going to be able to work with those folks and try to get his body in as good a position as it can get in where he can then at some point in time, maybe he'll go into extended spring training, he'll join an affiliate, whatever it might be, and eventually start doing some baseball activities. But right now the plan is the next six weeks, no baseball activities for uh, Brett Laurie. Uh, So this is certainly going to be an extended period for him before he's going to be able to impact anything. There's no guarantee that he's going to ever impact the Brewers again and certainly no impact that or no uh, guarantee that is going to impact them this upcoming season if it is going to happen it's going to happen much 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 later in the year last week we told you that uh, Hernan Perez was dealing with uh, a wrist issue last year that he got uh, worked on over the course of the offseason while playing in his first game of the year on Sunday had seven RBIs seven RBIs a three-run home run uh, a three-run double he added another RBI later in the game as well. So, so very small sample size, but so far so good in terms of that wrist. And we'll see if that has any uh, impact on the way he plays and the numbers that he puts up this upcoming season. Chase Anderson uh, made his debut in the spring, and 
Uh, something we're going to be watching with him, we've talked a lot about this. He tweaked his delivery a little bit, and he talked about this uh, during the Brewers on Deck event, just the th- different things that he's been working on over the course of the offseason. So he's got a little bit of a different delivery this year. Obviously gave up a lot of home runs last year, ended up not being on the postseason roster. He wants to get back to form from a couple years ago. So uh, if you happen to be maybe watching a spring training game on TV and he's pitching, just keep an eye out and see if you notice anything uh, different because uh, there is a little just just some small changes um, and uh, that's going to be that's that's what we're just going to be watching to see what it can uh, affect uh, according to folks who were watching him in Arizona Uh, he lifts his hands up over his head uh, a little bit more in that delivery and how that impacts things we just have to uh, we just have to wait and see on that Uh, those are this week's headlines of the week After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers X-Trains, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauly. It is time for our social media conversation. We're very happy to uh, welcome back onto the program a guy you can read over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. You can find him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma. That's M-U-M-A. Obviously, it is Tim Muma. Hey, Tim, it's great to talk to you. How are you? Doing well, Matt. I always appreciate the time. Hey, let's just start off real general here, and we'll kind of uh, lock into some more specific things as we move along. But I just want to get your kind of, kind of a general take from you on something. Spring training, we're not that deep into it right now. Spring training games just started over the course of uh, this past weekend. What What's the thing or what's the thing or two that you are most closely watching and monitoring for the Brewers as uh, this spring training period goes forward? Uh, you know, I think we can probably stay away from the most obvious one that uh, the general fan looks at as a whole Moustakis at second base thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's been talked about a lot. He's got plenty of time to work there. Everyone talks about the shifting that the Brewers do anyway. And, uh, I don't know if that's that big of a story. I think it'll you know be something that'll be covered here or there. But uh, other than that, I think the biggest part really is just the pitching staff as a whole. And it's not even a matter of worried about starters or how many starters, but just what exactly they're going to do and uh, you know, I was just thinking about that before, you know, we got on here that just the, the depth they have. I mean, everyone talks about, obviously, with the position players, especially with the addition of Moose, but the amount of guys that they have that they can trust either to start or pitch multiple innings out of the pen or pitch, you know, a couple days on, a couple days off out of the pen, I, it, it's really fascinating. And you can't always tell, especially in Arizona, you know, how guys are looking, how good their stuff is. They're stuck with difficulty with breaking balls down there. Uh, you know, I think Council's talked that the veteran relievers, they're not going to pitch a whole lot, especially early on in the, the spring goes. But you have all these guys who are either fighting for jobs as veterans or the youngsters that are trying to make their, you know, make their pitch, so to speak, uh, you know, pun intended. Uh, but, you know, a guy like Burns, who just seems to have so much as far as, uh, you know, tools go and his, his repertoire, uh, you know, that's a guy that he could fit in anywhere with them. He could be a, you know, a rotation leader, really, in some aspects. But he could also be that middle inning guy that, that takes care of the top of the order. He could pitch the back end, the bullpen. So that's really where I'm looking at uh, as, as far as the, the major intrigue is how are they going to factor all these guys in? Obviously, they're going to consider things like options. You know, think about it, especially the start of the season with off days or how many times they're playing in a row. Um, and then even like a guy like Junior Garrett, I saw today was hitting like 95 on the gun. Maybe the gun's a little hot. Who knows? But 
Uh, there's just so many weapons, so many options, and really a, a mix of pitchers that they can use. That uh, it, it's really it's really going to be interesting. Um, they sort of turned the baseball world upside down a little bit last year with some of their tactics, and I think they're just going to keep pushing the chips all in as far as you know. Look, we're going to do what's best for our team. We're going to use the the pitchers that we have to the best of their ability, and what's going to put them in the best position to succeed. And that's what they should do. They shouldn't worry about anybody else other than what's going to help us. What's going to help us win games either today, this week, or throughout the season? Yeah, it's, you mentioned them putting baseball you know, on side with what they did last year. And you look at a lot of the – look, the Brewers are not completely alone, but the Brewers are very unique in some things that they do. And you look at some of the, the rumored rule changes that have been proposed, mm-hmm. especially from, uh, from the commissioner, whether it's sp- being forced to spend more time in the minors when you go down, the requirement of how many pitcher, how many batters you have to face as a pitcher, uh, the disabled list being lifted back up to, to a certain amount of days. It almost seems like a bunch of these rules are in response to the way that the Brewers operated last year. That's a fair point. Uh, you know, I think I've seen other people mention that too, and um, you know, whether it's the idea that the, the bigger markets are against it because they can afford to sign, you know, all these multi-million dollar pitchers and go after the big-name starters and have this huge payroll, whereas a team like the Brewers, um, you know, on the Rays, you know, they had their openers that they ran too, that they're going to utilize every inch of their roster, and that includes, as you mentioned, sending guys down. They don't have to be down X amount of time, bring them back up. Maybe a guy's got a tweak. You, you send them on the DL. It's only 10 days now. Uh, so I agree with you. I, I think maybe not necessarily in response directly to the Brewers, but they got so much attention for it, especially in the postseason. Um, you know, some of the ways they're handling their pitchers at the Wade Miley uh, situation with the throwing to one batter. Um, but, you know, it feels, I don't want to say unfair because whatever, you know, the baseball's going to do what they want to do and, and you got to deal with it. But it doesn't seem like that's the right way to go if you're going to make all these changes because you feel one, two, three teams are, are trying to utilize their roster, utilize their resources as best possible. That's what sports are about. They, you know, and that's, you look at basketball, the way that's evolved, it changed because somebody started thinking, hey, this is the better way to do it. We need to shoot threes and only shoot from the inside. Um, so I, I don't like it only because it just seems so forced from the league and so artificial, and it's got to be coming from somewhere. I mean, I know Manfred loves to, to dabble and throw stuff out there, and, and sometimes it's just, it's just too much, in my opinion, but... Um, you know, who knows? It's hard to say if it's actually geared toward what the Brewers have done. Are they concerned? Uh, you know, is it coming from the players' unit? They're concerned that these guys are being used too much as far as, you know, they're just a, a property. They're an asset. They're, these are human beings. You don't want to send them down and call them back up. Um, it's really tough to gauge. And I think either way, the Brewers will be fine if, if they do make some of these changes. Uh, I don't foresee any of this stuff happening this year, obviously. Um, but... It would affect, I think, the small markets a little bit more simply because they are trying to find ways that they can have an advantage over those larger markets because whether you want to listen to the owners and they say they don't have money or or it's just the fact they don't want to spend it, uh, the truth is there's more money in those larger cities than there are in a place place like Milwaukee. And this is one way the Brewers can help to um, look at a way that they have an advantage over other teams that uh, are going to go big, with the top of their talent versus filtering throughout the entire organization. Since we're on rule stuff, and we'll get back to more Brewers-specific stuff in a moment, but pitch clock is being used in spring training. There's, It's not completely ruled out for this upcoming season, although I would be shocked, maybe not shocked, but I would be at least surprised to see uh, a rule mm-hmm. implemented this late before the season. But do you care one way or another on the pitch clock? 
I mean, I would say I'm, I'm against it. I understand they want things to be moving more. It's not about the the entire length of game, but it's how things are paced. And I understand that they're looking for ways to help John, that casual fan. Um, the reason I'm against it is a couple, a couple of reasons really why I'm against it. One, the hitters play a role in this too, as far as stepping out of the box, adjusting you know equipment, all that kind of stuff. They want to take their time. Get us out of it, and I know they've done this in the minor leagues, and I don't know if there's any evidence for injuries and stuff like that. But I, I just I don't want guys rushing. I don't want them, you know, getting out in front of of themselves as far as you know. The, okay, the clock's running down. I need to get set and get going with this pitch. Um, and then you have to look at performance too, because even just from my coaching experience, obviously it's not major leaguers, but it's so much as the pitcher. You tell them, look, you're in control. Take a breath. Uh, make sure you're set. Feel good with what you're going to pitch before you do anything uh, to make sure you're you're set and ready to go. And I just think, again, it's just an artificial thing that you're trying to manipulate that may or may not be a benefit. I, I, again, it's one thing when you're looking at the minor leagues and you can make some, I guess, analysis based on what's happening down there. But with the major leagues, you have a bunch of other factors going on. You have obviously you have different level of talent. You have the TV side of thing, things that play into it. Um, I know people talk about the playoffs. It seems like those games last forever, and part of that is, guess what? It's longer commercial breaks, so that plays a role. Um, I, I just don't know how far you go with it. A big part of me in loving baseball, and I'm a traditionalist in many ways, is just the fact that there is no time. You don't, you're, not, you're not rushed to get something done. You know, Everybody's got their fair uh, at-bats, all that kind of stuff, and this all plays a role into it. And I think you start going down a slippery slope the more you add. Um, now, would I say it's going to kill baseball? It's going to ruin it? No, and people will adjust to it just like they've adjusted the other rules. Um, but if, if I had my choice, I'd like this is not the way to go. This is not the way to, to kind of speed up games or help with the pace to play. Uh, I think you just have other things that are really getting in the way. That's it's still going to be these sort of drawn out competitions when when it matters most. When you have runners in scoring position, when it's late in the game. I don't want my guys rushing. I want them being good, uh, feeling good with what they're going to do and, and ready to go, and I, I don't want them to be rushing anyway. I think the slippery slope thing you said is probably the thing I would most agree with, and I'll tell you this, and I'm, if I was exactly where you were at two years ago or three years ago whenever they uh, first brought it into the minor leagues because I was broadcasting minor league baseball at the time, and I'm also a traditionalist, and I believe, you know, but one of the special things about baseball is the fact that there is no clock, and I, I love all that. Once I experienced a year at AAA with the pitch clock, I realized mm. it, it it didn't impact the game. Like I just I I never once in 144 AAA games I never once thought, oh my gosh, the pitch clock's going to expire. He's got to get this pitch off. It had it literally sure. had zero impact on me watching and broadcasting the game. So after experiencing it for a year at the minor leagues. I went from being completely against it to, well, it really doesn't matter. That's kind of where I'm yeah. at on it. So if if Manford's going to try to throw a bunch of stuff at into the game, I say put down the wall first on on the pitch clock because I don't think it has much of an impact on a game. So if you can if you can stop some other stuff by allowing the pitch clock as a player, go for that because again, very little impact in my opinion. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. If if we have to have, kind of have that give and take of what's being changed, I would agree that that probably has more of a minimal impact than perhaps some of the other rules that are mentioned uh, or that have been brought up as far as changes go. Um, so, and as I said, it's not. I don't think it's going to kill anything. There'll be an adjustment period. Everybody will adjust to it. 
Um, I just, yeah, like you said, I personally, I'm not a fan of it. If it happens, you know, I'm not like some people that are like, oh, I'm not never going to watch baseball again if they bring the DH to NHL or the NHL to the National League. Um, I not again. I prefer not to have the DH. I know everyone can yell at me because pitchers can hit whatever. I don't care. Then why not have uh, nine fielders and nine hitters and not worry about everybody playing every position? But that's neither here nor there. All right, talk fine, whatever. If we do it, it's fine. Let's get back to Brewer stuff. And somehow we're about twelve minutes in this conversation. We haven't really gone into <laughs> Mike Mustakis, and we uh, we on the podcast touched on him last week because he was signed last Sunday. But we didn't know the details last Sunday that they were going to try him at second base to keep Travis Shaw at third. And from a from a very raw standpoint. Travis Shaw is a really, really good third baseman. You can easily make the argument that he's a better defensive third baseman than Mike Moustakis, where the difference between Travis Shaw and Mike Moustakis at second, maybe the maybe the difference is smaller. So even if Moustakis doesn't play uh, second as well as Shaw did, Shaw plays third so much better than Moustakis, potentially, that you're better off defensively with Moose at second and Shaw at third. So I say all that to say... How do you feel about the the potential of a, a Mike Moustakis being at second base fairly often? Well, I think what you brought up is an excellent point because I, I'm pretty sure in, in some of the numbers I've seen, if you look at some of the advanced stats on fielding, and even from some of the eye tests, honestly, even though it's not like we watched Moustakis a ton over the last handful of years, uh, it does seem like Shaw is the better defender at third overall. Um, and as you said, when you move them both to second base, it's probably pretty even one way or the other. Uh, and now you're going to give Moustakis, in theory, the whole, you know, all the, really all the time there you can in spring training. There's no reason to think he can't do that um, because Shaw did do it so well, even though at times it didn't look pretty and then he had some, you know, struggles at times at the pivot. Um, I think it makes more sense this route if it works. Moustakis seems like he's all for it. I think, you know, council does a great job of, of selling guys on, on what's going to help the team and how it's going to be better for them individually. And I think that all plays a role with this. Moustakis, without knowing him, seems like the type of guy that is team first, wants to win. If this is going to be best for the team, let's do it. I don't think he would have re-signed here uh, if he didn't uh, agree or understand that that was going to be part of, of what they were going to try. Uh, and then the other side of it, you look long-term, look, Shaw's still under team control for the Brewers for a, a handful of years. I think if you want to make sure that essentially, I don't say he's happy, but you want him to be, uh, you know, willing to stay here. They've already, you know, they've had troubles in the past of having that solid third base from with the exception of a couple of years with Aramis Ramirez. And uh, I think, I think from that standpoint as well, from a long-term view, I think it's a, a positive for the Brewers and Shaw himself. And uh, who knows? Maybe it helps him feel more comfortable. He's just going to be at third. He knows it's his job and that could help increase his productivity as well. And then if you look at second base, I'm 100% with you that I don't think there's a big drop-off, if any, between Shaw and Moustakis at second base. And, and again, with all the time he's going to have to work on it during the spring, he may, he may well be a little better than Shaw at second. And, and now um, you're really solidified as far as your, your lineup against righties, though, for sure. Against lefties, you've got to figure out what they're going to do. But, um, you know, that's, that's part of the reason they, they carry so much depth. So I'm all for this side. If it doesn't work out, if Moustakis, whatever you can't figure out, which is doubtful to me, and then you have the option of switching it back and going from there. Another guy you're going to see at second base a fair amount is going to be Hernan Perez. And I know Hernan Perez is not your favorite brewer in the history of all time. Uh, he, there was some, there was some hand issues, wrist issues uh, that came mm-hmm. up last year that they kept pretty quiet. 
Evidently, he's back to 100% now. Do you buy any of the more more productivity from Perez because of the wrist, or is that a a non-anything for you? I think the big part of it that uh, you know you have to look at would just be the power side of it and not that Perez is going to be some you know huge beast when it comes to the power numbers but he's not an on-base guy which is really where I have the biggest issue I'm a huge on-base percentage kind of guy it was always my game as a player and I, I just that that's something I always focus on so that's why I'm not going to have a necessarily positive thoughts about him I do love that he's a versatile guy I think he does play very smart baseball which I definitely appreciate um, so I think when I'm looking at it, especially him being mostly facing righties or lefties, sorry, and uh, getting some time around the diamond, even the outfield, some uh, it's going to be what power he can provide. Uh, you know, on base percentage pretty much stays the same for people throughout their careers, even from the minors to the majors. You can see there's a very uh, a lot of similarities. Um, but if his wrist really was bothering that much, and there's no reason you know not to believe that was a factor. I mean, we know how how much a wrist injury can affect that. Um, I think it's a matter of the power. It's, it's the doubles and the home runs that he can provide, especially with the platoon advantage. And, um, you know, just being able to contribute in that way uh, because it's not going to be there as far as a consistent day-to-day getting on base and being a pest. Um, so that's the way I look at it. If he can bring that extra pop off the bench as a right-handed platoon, uh, you know, back either at second or third or wherever, I think he could be a huge advantage and, and, I'm not against him in that way at all. If that's what works best for the Brewers and that's where he fits in, uh, I'm all for it. I'm never going to love him as much as Craig Council seems to, uh, but I can appreciate what he brings to the table. And and if he brings a little extra pop, um, that'll do nothing but benefit the Brewers this coming year. Anybody who puts any stock in spring training numbers is generally going to get burnt. (laughs) But all that being said... Had a uh, a three run home run, a what a three run double, and then he had a seventh RBI, I believe, on an RBI ground out, maybe seven RBIs in the game on Sunday with a with a home run and a uh, and a double in there. And I guess the double I didn't see it, but uh, double was uh, hit very very hard. So very small sample size, but the wrist looks good so far. <laughs> yeah, not a bad thing. I'm never gonna complain about good numbers in spring, but yes, it's. Uh... It's extremely dangerous to simply go by the numbers. But, hey, I'll, I'll take that over 0 for 4 with 4Ks any day. All right, so the Brett Lorry thing, I, I feel like mm. I, I almost don't want to I almost don't want to bring him up because I, I don't want there to be like this excitement about him mm-hmm. when this is a guy who, if he impacts the team this year, and that is as big of an if as you can have, it's going to be yeah. way deep into the season. It was announced on Sunday, I believe, that he's not even going to ba- basically play baseball in spring training. He's going to spend the next six weeks just working with trainers and athletic uh, staff and, and strength and conditioning coaches and you know the, the advanced science stuff that they have now in the new complex down in Arizona just to get his body right and then he'll at some point leave camp and go to a minor league team and he'll start his baseball stuff from there he'll probably stay like this guy is not going to be playing baseball for a while Uh, I know the name Brett Laurie means something because and more than anything else when he was coming up through when he was in the minor leagues and the Brewers there was so much excitement about him uh but Mm -hmm. it's I'm just this is a pump the brakes big time situation for me right now because there is no guarantee that this guy is going to impact the major league club this season or ever or anything. Yeah, I mean, the more that has come out, it really makes the move even more confusing. Like even that, even the fact that they announced it and it seemed like this this big deal at first. Uh, I, I 
I don't really get it either. I mean, clearly somebody within the organization still sees that he has something. Uh, you know, maybe they just feel he's got to get back in that mode. But, uh, you know, and we're not talking about a multiple-time All-Star who's been out of the game because of injury or just he's getting up there in age and he wants to try to come back. Um, it just feels like, why? Why are they spending the resources on it? Why are they? Why do they really believe that this could be something that works? And as you said, by all accounts, he's not even playing, still not playing baseball, not going to be, at least for a little while yet. Uh, I, I have a hard time figuring it out. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen and heard uh, plenty of conversations about Larry not exactly being a, a great guy, a great personality. Not that that means anything or everything, but... It, 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 it's just I'm I'm failing to see the positive that could or, or should come out of it. And, you know, look, these baseball guys, the numbers guys, the, the scouts, all they all know, you know, more than we do. They all see more than we do. I get that. Uh, but I'm with you. It's, it's confusing, and I, I really can't figure out. It seems like you want to spend resources somewhere else where you have – you feel like you have a legitimate chance to, to groom someone or, or bring them up and, and make an impact, especially this year when you're talking about a team that has high expectations and they should. Uh, so – it remains to be seen. I, I hope somebody out there is super smart and they figured something out with him. And uh, somewhere down the road, he, he comes up with a big hit or has a big month uh, left in his career. But uh, right now, I, I have no idea what to expect. From that. Yeah, and I guess look, I I've, I don't have a problem with the signing, and it's something the Brewers have done. It's you know, go take flyers on guys and see if any of them pan out, and they're, they're pretty good at it. What I, I guess what I take issue with is uh, some of the fan excitement over it. I think not completely understanding who Brett Laurie is right now. Like last year when they signed Wade Miley, there was there wasn't any fan excitement about Wade Miley, and he was a lot closer to helping a team, and he did end up helping the team. You know, for for whatever reason, I, it just seems like because of his name, there's people out there that think he's going to be contending for you know a, a 25 man roster job coming out of spring. So if the Brewers want to go sign guys like Brett Laurie every single spring, and you know guys who've been out of baseball for a couple years, just hoping that some of these guys have something left in the tank and new eyes and new hands on them and a couple years of health can turn them back around like cool that's awesome the, the brewers are a small market club they can't spend a lot of money they can go do stuff like that and if one out of every 10 pans out then it's it's worth the nine that don't i guess i'm, I'm just in this situation where i keep seeing you know whether it's on social media or whatever people being right. so excited about Lori, and i just i just keep saying th- there should be zero expectations on this guy right now <laughs> Yeah, no, you're 100 percent correct, and yeah, I don't. It has to be the name, and it has to be the you know obviously recognizing what he was supposed to be, uh, what they gave up for him in essence, um, or you know, obviously they gave him up to get uh, Markham as part of that deal. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm 100 percent with you as far as the pump the brakes, and I hope that those people who are super excited about it, like that's fine, be excited, but to have that perspective of the guy isn't even doing baseball stuff; he's been out of baseball as great as these athletes are and they are even better than people think they are um to, to do that and to be able to do that and, and think that there's going to be an impact of, of any significance especially early on in the year or even down the road um yeah i think uh, i think a little bit of perspective could, could go a long way for those fans 
there's still a ton of guys out there in terms of free agency. The the list is going down a little bit. It seems like just about every day uh, a legit major leaguer or two are signing a new deal, but there's still a lot of guys out there. Uh, you look at the Brewers, they could always do something more in the bullpen, as good as the bullpen looks. They could always bring in another starting pitcher. They could bring in an outfielder to kind of compete for that number four outfielder spot. Do you think that there's going to be another move involving somebody that's a, a lock 25-man roster guy, or do you think this roster as it is is set? It's probably set for what it is. Uh, I wouldn't doubt there would be another small move here or there. Uh, you know, a minor league deal with a, with a chance to, to reach the majors. You've seen that from a number of guys this year. Um, but it, it seems like their roster is pretty well set. I mean, at least from the position side of things, I mean, even obviously before the Moustaka signing, it didn't seem like anything else was going to happen with those guys when they didn't go after any of the second baseman, at least didn't sign them. You can't say they weren't trying necessarily. Uh, but it would be pretty tough to see, see a move. Uh, I would say... I guess the most likely would seem to be a bullpen guy just because of the way that they're running their pitching staff. And they would see that as probably the most value. Um, and in theory, you wouldn't have the, the risk of a longer term contract with a, a starter, potentially, you know, Keiko's name has always been out there. Um, and outfielder would be interesting, but I feel like there, there were guys out there earlier that they, you know, I, why wouldn't have Granderson maybe sit back in the picture and end up getting a minor league deal if I recall from the, the Marlins. So, um, it, it, unless something seems really perfect for them, or they have an injury, obviously, you know, heaven forbid that would happen. Um, I, I would, I would guess they're set as far as, like you said, a guaranteed spot of somebody that they would bring in. Um, but minor league deal or just a minor deal here or there, probably going to happen. Um, other than that, I'd say this is the squad you have, and I think they should be pretty happy with what they have. Let me finish you off with this. Uh, your most recent piece over at Brew Crew Ball uh, really focused in on. Craig Council as a manager and the way he's going to go about managing uh, a team with so much depth where there's going to be guys who uh, don't start games who would be starting games uh, for, for other teams. And we saw it we saw it at the end of the year last year, especially uh, after the deadline. But, you know, asking a guy to – asking Travis Shaw to – uh, move over to second base for for two months and kind of give be be very selfless in that way. It's one thing to say that hey, do this for two months down the stretch of the season. It's another thing to go into a full season where you got a bunch of guys and you're telling them uh, may, you, you may not get as as many plate appearances as you would like. Now, one of the really cool things I think you touched on this a bit. Uh, one of the really cool things about the Brewers since Craig Council has taken over is his ability to help create a culture where everybody's really you know pulling that rope in the same direction and as cliche as that mm-hmm. sounds it's legit like that's that clubhouse is as good of a clubhouse as I have ever seen in baseball and I think a lot of credit goes back to Craig Council so I guess I say all that to say people should read your piece at uh, at Brew Crew Ball but how much of a challenge will this be for Craig Council with a very very deep team this upcoming season? I think it always has to be a concern. Uh, you know, as I mentioned at the top in the piece, nobody as a coach or manager is going to complain about having more talent. I, obviously, that the thing that makes coaches and managers the best is having the best talent. I mean, I'm sorry, that's generally the way it is. Um, there are better coaches and there are worse coaches, but talent generally is what wins out. Uh, so that's always going to be in the back of your mind. But as we saw, and you brought it up, um, at least for a majority of the year or down the stretch especially, He's shown that ability to be uh, just 
a type of manager that can talk to guys that can um, sort of break it down for them in a way that, look, this is going to hurt you in some ways, but in the long run, it helps the team. It's in the long run helps you. It's going to keep you fresh if you're not playing as much. Uh, it's going to give you versatility. and uh, It's going to help the team as far as being able to move guys around. It might actually get you more playing time in some ways. Uh, he just seems to have a way with it. And, you know, with all the numbers and stats that we have, and especially now it seems like most teams are running the same type of analytics, uh, that becomes a differentiator to me because in the end, and I love numbers just as much as anybody, you're still dealing with human beings and you're still dealing with guys who they want to be out there and competing or they, you know, like it or not, they are looking at their next paycheck. They're looking at arbitration next year thinking if I don't reach this number, you know, I'm not going to get a bump or whatever, um, or as big a, a, of a raise. So all that stuff does, does play a role. Um, but then we touched on it that and it's partly on council. It's partly on the organization of the culture that they appear to have. I mean, just as far as getting along, as far as rooting for each other and, and not showing that animosity or, or you know, disappointment as far as not playing or maybe not playing the position you want to be playing, I think that's just huge. And I mean, you bring up Aaron Perez, and, I, and that's another area where I think he impacts in a positive way is I think he is that kind of guy. Um, obviously, the way he plays all over the field and, and, and just does his job as best he can, uh, that says a lot. But even if you watch before games, during games, you know, guys like him, Arcia, uh, Aguilar, uh, I mean, a lot of them, they just seem to really be in each other's corner. And I think that that plays a big role in it. And, and Council, um, you know, he's a major factor in how that happens. So it'll be fascinating to see as the year goes on. I think the pitching will still get the majority of the uh, attention. And that's also Council pulling the strings there and making sure everybody understands uh, what they're trying to do. Um, because in the end, you have egos. You have guys who, who feel they're the best. They, they feel they should be in there, and that's what you want. Uh, it's that it's that fascinating balance of wanting guys who want to compete, and they are really upset when you take them out or you don't start them in the in the game. Um, but then you also want them when they are on the bench, rooting for those guys, hoping that they succeed, uh, and understanding that in the grand scheme of things, especially in today's game with the long season, uh, the travel, and everything that goes into it, that. Uh, hopefully this actually makes them better and helps them put up more productive numbers and it'll be a net positive all the way around. And if Bruce can do that, if Council and his staff can make sure that, uh, as you said, they're pulling in the same direction for uh, the entirety of the season, which, again, is is extremely long time to be with a a group of 30, I'll say 30 to 40 guys over the course of the year, um, you know, it's going to go a long way in them being able to to stay on top and and maybe – get a little bit of an edge over some of the teams that might not have the same chemistry or continuity in the dugout. He is Tim Muma. Read him at Brew Crew Ball, which is brewcrewball.com. Follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma, M-U-M-A. So Tim underscore M-U-M-A. Tim, it is always great to talk to you. Next time we talk, it's going to be the regular season. So I uh, look forward to that. And, of course, I look forward to everything that happens between uh, now and opening day. But thank you so much, as always, for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. And yeah, I, uh, I cannot wait for it to start. Winter cannot end soon enough for me. I'll say that much. The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm. All right, so we don't have much of a down on the farm segment this week, but there are a couple things that I wanted to note uh, before we get out of here on the podcast uh, this week. Uh, based off some rankings, Baseball America this past week 
did their overall farm system rankings. And for the Brewers, they are now ranking number 29 overall. So they are very, very low in the overall prospect rankings. It wasn't that long ago that they were a top five system. This, this is no shocker. This is just what happened when you go make the trades that they made last year. Uh, you know, it really started with um, the, the Christian Yelich trade where you gave up some high-end prospects. And then in the trades that happened in season, uh, they gave away kind of some more depth-level prospects. And it's, your system was going to go down. And I, I think when you really think about it, while there might not be quite as much coming up through the system, you would much rather have a team that got to Game 7 of the NLCS than a team that has a top five uh, system in terms of their minor league prospects. So, But Baseball America has them at number 29 overall. And then the MLB Pipeline released their top 30 prospects for this upcoming season. You can see all of them if you want at MLBPipeline.com. But as far as the top 10, this is what it looks like. Keston Hira comes in number one. No surprise there. Corey Ray back to number two. Uh, Bryce Terrain comes in at number three, guy who was drafted last year. Then Tristan Lutz at number four. Mauricio Dubon, number five. Then Zach Brown, Joe Gray, Lucas Ersig, Aaron Ashby, and Peyton Henry go from number six through ten. Some of the other, uh, I guess, notable individuals who are on this list and uh, where they uh, where they are currently at and some guys who had some good seasons. Trey Supak, he's a guy that I'm excited to see what's going to end up with. He's at number 11. Mario Feliciano is another guy who I think uh, I, I'm excited about. He comes in at number 14. Adrian Hauser did not use all of his uh, prospect eligibility. He comes in at number 15. Same deal for Jacob Nottingham. He comes in at number 16 on this list. Uh, 23 and 24, a couple guys I'm interested in, Javon Ward and uh, Larry Ernesto. They're both on their uh, that list. Bobby Wall, the guy they acquired, is on this list as well. Comes in at number uh, 26. The bottom of the top 30 are guys who uh, you've probably heard about for a while. They've been in the system uh, in Jake Goodwood, Ty, uh, Jake Gatewood, excuse me, Tyrone Taylor, and uh, Trent Grisham. But again, you can see the entire list and everything over there at uh, MLBPipeline.com. And uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Do again want to say thank you to Tim Muma for joining us. As far as uh, what's going to be coming up this week, uh, the Brewers games that you are going to be able to listen to on the radio as games have already uh, got started Saturday and Sunday. Both those games were on WTMJ uh, and select Brewers Radio Network stations. Uh, This week, this is what the schedule looks like. Monday, they'll take on the Angels. That's going to be a 2 o'clock broadcast on WTMJ. Tuesday, they take on San Diego. That's a 155 broadcast on WTMJ. Wednesday, they will take on Cleveland. That's a 155 broadcast, and you'll be able to hear that on 94.5 ESPN-FM as uh, our new sister station now uh, will be airing some of the spring training games. Uh, Then a couple days off for broadcast next weekend, Saturday, March 2nd, when they take on the Cubs. That's a 155 broadcast. And Sunday, March 3rd against Cincinnati, also a 155 broadcast. And both those games are set to be on WTMJ. And again, select Brewers Radio Network stations across the state. 
All right, again, thanks to Tim Muma for joining us. We look forward to talking to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.